and welcome to another episode of Building Educator Capacity, where we strive to improve student learning by expanding the capacity of our school districts. My name is Mitchell Lilly, and I'm joined by my co-host, Phil Anderson. Hey, Phil. Hello. It's great to be here again for our second season of the podcast. Indeed, and special thanks to Ms. Liz Elliott, band teacher from Whitewater Middle School, for providing the music for this podcast. Our kickoff to this season is a conversation between consultant Elizabeth Freeman and district administrator for the Wisconsin Heights School District, Dr. Jordan Sins. As new leadership is in many of our schools in Wisconsin, Dr. Sins talks about the important qualities superintendents should have to create and maintain systemic change in their district, along with advice for overcoming challenges and staying positive. Dr. Jordan Sins is starting his fifth year as the district administrator in the Wisconsin Heights School District. Prior to this role, he served as the middle slash high school principal for the Edgar School District. He received his principal and director of instruction licensure from Concordia University and his doctorate of philosophy and his superintendent licensure from Marion College. Jordan, um, talk to me a little bit, you know, you, you're currently the superintendent at Wisconsin Heights School District, and I've always been curious how you would describe your leadership style um, and, and what are the thoughts that you kind of put behind how you lead your staff? Yeah, you know, that's a question I think in education and probably in any leadership type position you get quite often, and it's, it's one that I've certainly thought about before, and uh, having gone through, um, you know, undergrad and many graduate programs, you learn a lot about these um, leadership styles and they put attributes to them and refer to certain things and you know this is this is this type of leadership this is this type of leadership and you know you oftentimes will do like an interest inventory or some sort of uh form and come up with you know well here's your style and i think uh at an educational level it's it's good to be informed and aware uh but i i guess what i would say from a personal level what I have found to be uh, more realistic and applicable in the professional setting rather than in the academic setting is things are things are situational. To, to say that you you know employ a certain leadership style, I think you probably if you're effective you employ many different leadership styles. That doesn't mean you um, are completely unpredictable and you do all these wild things and people never know what they're going to get from you. Uh, but at the same time. I just think that the, the situations that we deal with in, in education are, are so different um, that you end up in doing a lot of different things. And as I said, situational is, is key. The notion of being flexible is another crucial component of leadership. I, I don't think it's really possible to be an effective leader though without being collaborative. Um, so in terms of a style, uh, you need to be collaborative. You need to bring people to the table um, sometimes maybe even people that you, you don't have the greatest relationship with and you have differing opinions. Um, if the last year and a half has taught us anything is there's a lot of opinions um, around how we should do things in education and, and some things that we've done well and maybe some things that haven't been that great. And, and that might be hard to hear, uh, but it's also important to give those people an opportunity to kind of share their voice. Um, and then I think of the last couple things that come to mind um, in addition to those, relational. Um, that doesn't mean you're, you're best friends with everyone. That doesn't mean you're even like personal friends necessarily with a lot of people. But I do think there's a crucial place um, as a leader to build relationships with people, to show them that you care about who they are beyond just uh, the confines of 7.30 to 
And then I think that leads into the last piece that really came to mind for me, which is just like being real, being authentic with people. I, I believe that people appreciate uh, some realness and you, you know, you don't, um, you don't inflict terror or uh, scare tactics or things like that. But at the same time, you're just real with people and let them know like, this is where things are at. Here's what we're doing really well. Here are the things that, that I think we can work on. What ideas do you have? Um, and then you just kind of roll up your sleeves and do it together. So I, I know I gave you a, a variety of responses to a question that probably could have been much more concrete. Um, but I guess to me, that's really what I have found to be effective for me in, in leadership positions is situationally you, you respond and you, you use different um, ideas, principles, whatever, um, and, and you're flexible in everything that you do. I think um, that makes a lot of sense to me, Jordan, and I appreciate kind of the examples that you drew, especially again, drawing on this unusual school year and kind of really putting some of your values around leadership in, in action and, and testing them out and see how they actually fly. You know, if they fly well this past, you know, however many months we've had of this chaos, um, they're probably pretty sound approaches. So one thing um, that I has always struck me like in our interactions and um, one of the reasons I kind of wanted to chat with you more about this today is this piece that I've been always super impressed with and, and you didn't note it yet. So I want to hear a little bit more about it is I've, you've always struck me as a very positive, um, passionate leader. So I feel like when I've observed you, you are those things you just mentioned, but you also hold yourself and your staff um, to a high standard and you focus on the possibility and the positive and how are we going to get there. So is that something that is just you and just kind of um, the way you exist in this world or is that something that you've had to cultivate and and is that hard I guess is that something that you you know have to put quite a bit of investment into to maintain your positive can-do passionate um, leadership of your district? Well, that's a great question. We're going to get, uh, we're going to get real, real quick. Um, <laughs> so I, I think to the notion of like, is that just me? I don't know that I would say that's just me. Uh, what I would say is I've been involved in education for um, 15 years, roughly. And in, in those 15 years, I have experienced a, a variety of things, some incredibly positive and fulfilling and uh, energizing, and some uh, very challenging, demoralizing, and potentially uh, depression-causing. Uh, so to be, to be authentic with you, it really became a matter of if I am going to do more than just merely survive this profession, I need to learn more about how I can be a positive person and how I can maintain kind of a level head and, and not uh, be on this roller coaster of ups and downs, which, uh, well, exciting. Um, the, the downs are really hard to deal with, and uh, it's it's especially hard to lead uh, when you're when you're in that you know mind space or head space. So, I've really been purposeful about um, engaging myself in in reading and things about positive leadership and about how you cultivate that. Uh, John Gordon, uh, who wrote The Energy Bus and many other uh, short stories about uh, just positive and optimistic leadership. I think I've read just about every book that he's published in the last 10 years. Um, and I, I really, The Energy Bus is one that 
I actually used it as, as an administrative book study uh, a couple of years ago and often employs some of the principles of, of the energy bus. So I think it's, it's really been the result of realizing uh, there's going to be many challenges out there and you need to find a way to kind of center yourself to be that positive person. And then I think that coupled with some beliefs that I have always had and hopefully always will have, our work is about kids. Our work is about trying to do what's best for all kids. To me as an educator, if, if you take a step back and just like regurgitate those words and to think about the immensity and the importance of children and serving all children to the best of our ability, um, knowing that they come from a million different backgrounds, that is hard not to get like energized and passionate about because it's so important. I, I mentioned before, just even just self-help type things you, you learn over the years, you like, you shouldn't take things personally and, and not to be like cold, but it's like, you know what, there's, there's a business side to this, so to speak. And when you're at work and when you're dealing with work, there are going to be some things and some people that don't agree with everything that you're doing. Uh, but to take it personally, and to, to let it like tear you apart or bring you down. I've never, I've never looked back on a situation where I did that and said like, oh, that was, that was a great choice. I, I'm glad I let that uh, bother me for the last 10 days. Uh, rather, you look at it, you take it for what it's worth, you take the feedback, um, but then you know, you know, hey, the sun's coming up tomorrow. It's a new day, it's a new opportunity. And then you really just stick to your values. What's important to you? And to me, that is we're trying to provide, provide the best possible experience uh, for students. And in order for our district to provide the best opportunities and experiences for students, part of my task is to try to do the same thing for the adults that work here. Uh, because if the adults don't feel good about what they're a part of, they're not going to be at their best for kids. I think that um, super intriguing for me to listen to both like from a professional and a personal standpoint. Um, but I think what um, what really is striking me, and I appreciate your candid and your your candor and your realness, is this idea that at some point in your career you realized, gosh, the roller coaster is not as much fun as it as it um, appears to be, and riding those highs and those lows um, is exhausting and potentially inefficient, depending on how it looks. Right, like if we slip into a deep depression on one of the lows, that's going to prevent us from being a great leader. And so at some point you kind of made a decision to invest in yourself um, at the front end and then ongoing to really promote positive leadership. Um, and you found some resources that really worked for you, but really to try to set the tone around, not only this is our big picture, this is our vision, but day to day, we are gonna have some skills and some dispositions to make sure that we don't get mirrored down when we have setbacks or challenges. So for me, I, I am super appreciating this because I think for all of us, right, we, we do struggle. Um, there's a lot of research out there now about like compassion fatigue or how do we you know, create compassion resilience, but we know that education is tough. And so anything we can do to help ourselves and those we work with um, be resilient and focused on the end goal and do so positively, I, I think is huge. Um, and it's something that's always struck me when I watch you with your staff. Um, you're real, you're honest, you're transparent, but you also take setbacks in stride and promote 
being positive, which has always just been amazing to me and, and something that I now aspire to do in my work. So I guess one other kind of question I have related to that is not only, you know, do you have some kind of leadership style or predispositions that you laid out for us that I think um, are really, you know, a good combination. You have a positive impact on these things and, and you really focus on what's important to you. So kind of those structures are in place. But along with that, in my um, estimation, you really tackled um, some change in your district, right? When you came in, you didn't just say, I'm going to put a positive spin on what's happening. You said, I'm going to embark upon some pretty transformational change. And um, change in and of itself is challenging and can have other byproducts of uncertainty and stress for our staff. So I, I was kind of wondering if you could talk me through, you know, if you were making a recommendation to another soup or an up and coming leader, you know, that other piece of where you've taken effective practices or evidence-based practice and really created change in your district and, and successfully so, like, let me say that, like your student results mirror that you've had success in that area. So how do you kind of, um, what supports or, or what have you done as a leader to help, you know, your district deal with the challenges inherent to change? Yeah, well, so one of the things that I know you've heard this before, because you've helped us for the last four years, um, is I said this from the beginning, and this I, I would say once again, this is something I learned uh, as a principal that I needed to be better at for my staff. But the, the simple phrase basically is we're going to avoid the flavor of the day. I mean, that's something that in, in education is really easy to do because there's a lot of really effective programs and things out there. There's a lot of really effective salesmen and women uh, that try to convince you that you know, their product or, or whatever it is, their curriculum is like the next best thing that is going to help your kids, um, you know, knock it out of the park. And while I think, yeah, there's a lot of uh, validity to these programs being phenomenal, the fact is, is I think we have a tendency in education that we walk down the aisle and we grab too many things off the shelf. And, you know, we talk about in the last thing about, you know, like staff and mental health and the, the concept of like burnout. One of the things that to me and, and research supports, not just me, is that one of the ways you burn people out is you just you pile too many things on and they feel like they can never get ahead on anything because you just grab the next thing that you see on the shelf. So I think at a very like simple level for a leader, if, if you're trying to create a culture that actually supports and fosters like systematic change, not just temporary compliance, um, then it's about people need to believe that when you say we're going to do this, you're actually going to stick with it and do it. You're not going to do it for a year or two, and then you're going to drop it and start something else. And I think our school improvement work that you and Ed have collaborated with us on is a good example of that. I said that in August of 2017. And this August, we'll be working together for the fifth time. And we're still embarking on that work. And we're just taking steps to continually get better on the same work. And the same thing applies for the, the work that we're trying to do with professional learning communities. Um, it's been an incremental process, but it, it has not been flavor of the day. We've continued to take steps forward. But at the same time, we have not grabbed other you know, large-scale school improvement type programs or processes or products, if you will, and then drop those on top of the things that we've already done. We're trying to keep that focus. And then the other thing, you know, about focus, if you will, is 
follow the resources. So follow what you're using your time on. What are you using your PD time on? How are you spending your, your curriculum dollars, your professional development dollars? Does it show a focus on the things that you say are important? I think it's crucial to reflect on that. If, if you can't follow the time, the money, the talent uh, to the things that you're saying are important, well, then I don't know that it's really that important if you're not allocating those precious resources uh, to support that. A few other things that I think are huge for staff members to kind of buy in for lack of a better term is they need to trust, they need to trust somebody, um, preferably you know their colleagues, their principal, their superintendent, uh, but at the very least, if people are going to try new things, uh, they need to trust that it's okay. And then the other concept that I've thrown out quite a bit, and I've really had to, uh, we have really had to employ the last year and a half once again, is this notion of failing forward. We've done so many things with the quick shift to online where people just needed to feel like it was okay to try something. And if it wasn't perfect, that's okay. We were going to learn from that experience and we'd be better the next time. And I think just culturally, once again, that's, that's something that if you can have that be part of what your organization values and what people see is, is reinforced, is respected, is this notion of it's okay to fail, um, but we're failing forward. Uh, we're just, we're going to try these things and we're going to learn from it and we're going to grow as a result. So I think really conceptually, those are, those are some of the keys for me to help make long-lasting change. Once again, not just compliance, like, oh, there's a new guy. He said, we have to do this. We're going to do it. We'll get him off our back for a while, and then it'll fade away, and, and then he'll bring up something new. Uh, we've avoided that, and I think that's part of why we're seeing uh, some success over the years. Yeah, so what would be your best guess, Jordan? So you're you know entering your fifth year as superintendent, right? So Correct. what would be, in terms of that trust piece you were talking about, because that, that part's fascinating to me. So you've laid out some ways to help build trust um, for your staff. It's okay to fail forward. It's okay to experiment. You're building trust with them to say, we're going to stick with this. Any investment you make into something new I'm asking of you is not going to go away, right? So there's different ways you just share that you're helping to build that trust. What would be your best guess right now at entering year five? Do you feel like, um, you know, most of your staff have that level of trust? Do you feel like you had it in year two? Kind of walk us through your perceived kind of progression of that trust piece with your staff. Oh, that's, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, I, I think the general sentiment that I would have, and I, I hope that I'm not just um, living in the clouds here and am uh, <laughs> completely misinterpreting the way things are. But no, I mean, I think in general, we, we do have a, a solid level of organizational trust. And I think another way that you build that and, and something that I've tried to do and, and hopefully you've experienced or, or witnessed uh, when you're around as well, is I, I think, especially in a small district, it's crucial to actively participate in this process as well. So, I mean, when we're doing our school improvement planning when we're you know, doing those days, when we're doing uh, in-service work on PLCs, I make it a point to get out and to join in that process and to learn with the staff members because I certainly do not have all the answers either. So it's, it's getting out and it's being a part of that, the old like roll up your sleeves, like, yeah, that, that's gotta be a part of what you do. And I think that too helps build trust and credibility uh, when staff members see that like you're congruent in your behavior and your words, like, oh man, I guess this is important because he's doing it too. 
Um, I think that's something that helps build trust. Yeah, and that's a really good point. And I would absolutely attest that I have seen you. I mean, my kind of words that I would use is I haven't seen you ask your staff to do something that you're not willing to do yourself, right? Like anything you ask of them, you're right there doing it with them. So in terms of that school improvement work and that new learning. So I absolutely have seen that. And what I think I hear you saying is that's not, um, that's an intentional choice that you've made, right? It's not just that you want to be a part of everything because, you know, you are excited about the work, but also, you know, your time is um, limited and, and as a resource, you've made an intentional choice to spend your time in that way to help build trust with your staff and that common learning and collaboration. Yeah, you. I mean, the word you said, honestly, that connects with me is intentional, like, and I hate, yeah, I, I think what you do as a leader, you're apt to make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time but your decision-making and how you spend your time and what you do with your time needs to be intentional um, because there are so many things that you could get lost in. Um, so I think you need to be very intentional about how you're using your time and the things that you're doing to show support, but then also you know, do some of the things that you just have to do as a function of this job. Yeah, and I, I do think, I mean, kind of what I'm reflecting on this conversation with you, I think that idea of having those values, right? So for you all, gosh, students are at the center of this um, and, and all students, right? And then you have focus. You're not inundating your staff with all these other bright and shiny objects. You're being intentional about what you select and going deep on it. And then I really, you know, kind of like this idea of, which is, is something that I haven't gotten to seeing in person quite as much. So I'm glad you're calling it out now, but this idea of really making sure your resources, whether they're human or financial are aligned with what we're saying is our focus, right? Because I do think oftentimes schools fall into traps. And again, it's not intentional, but it's a lack of intentionality, right? Where we end up doing a lot of stuff that's misaligned with what we say um, is important to us or what we're focusing on. So I think that that piece is, I think, a really, you know, maybe that's kind of an outcome that somebody could use to say, gosh, are we walking the talk? And, and then it should be reflected in how we, I as a superintendent or I as a leader, I'm spending my time as much as, you know, in addition to our kind of our budget, so to speak. So what would you say, I think, um, to a new leader um, who's in a similar position to you, smaller district, what would you kind of say would be words of advice or words of wisdom if they were to be embarking upon transformational change? Do you have a couple of things you would sit down and tell them lessons that you've learned for how to embark kind of a challenging work of adaptive change? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think this ties back to our earlier discussion on, you know, positivity and kind of how you find yourself in that headspace to try to be a positive, uh, optimistic type leader. And I think what I would, would tell anyone, and I, you know, whether you're a leader, a, a teacher leader, an administrative leader, anybody, when you boil it down, it's, it's the notion of controlling what you can control. Uh, there's a lot of stuff happening around you and that, you know, inevitably impacts you. But at the end of the day, you need to reflect on what do I have control over? And I think the two most simple but impactful things are uh, your effort and your attitude. I, I choose to get up early, uh, work out every day and come into the office and, you know, put in a, a solid day and, and give my best uh, because that that's something that I have control over. And then in terms of the attitude, it's like, well, um, I'm, I'm choosing to be as positive as I possibly can be because I know that that beats the alternative. 
um, being negative or cynical or, you know, whatever. Um, that's just, that's not a real fulfilling place to be at. So I, I would just make it that simple, uh, control what you can control. And to me, the two biggest ones are your effort and your attitude. And if you keep those things in check, the work that you do has a way of, of moving along in a positive fashion. Love it. I think I need to get a t-shirt made that says that, right? <laughs> like effort and attitude, like that's what I can control. I love it. Yeah. You kind of just hit on, um, kind of my other like burning question in my mind for you. Um, so if you could talk to me a little bit more about what you do as an individual um, kind of self-care or to feed yourself or to keep um, you as sharp and as strong as you can be for your role. So as a superintendent, lots of responsibility. Again, you're creating change in a district, which is hard. So it's it's not to say that it's as simple as just saying, oh, I'm going to have a good attitude, right? Like it's something you have to work towards. So what are the ways um, that you feed yourself, that you do self-care, that you keep yourself functioning so you can be positive and a strong leader for your district? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's about establishing healthy, healthy routines. Um, once again, that's something you kind of have control over for the most part. Um, so it's like, what what does your day look like? What does your routine look like? And as I mentioned before, working out, whether it's getting in a, a light lift or a run, that's pretty much something that I do every day, uh, including the weekend. And that is just, that's my 45 minutes to an hour where I, I know because of research and because of personal experience that the notion of uh, physically moving your body is good for your mind uh, just as much as it is for your muscles and everything else. So. To me, that's a huge priority. I wish I could say I had like the cleanest diet in the world, but I don't. Most days I, I consume a pr protein shake and a granola bar um, during the day and then maybe have lunch 50-50 um, proposition uh, and then go home and eat a large supper. <laughs> so not great in the diet arena. Uh, that's probably something I'll have to clean up here eventually as well. But no, I like I said, it's the routines and then it is, it's understanding when when maybe you're, you're kind of on that, I'm not trending in the right direction here. So what are the things that I need to do, whether it's, it's self-talk, whether it's talking to somebody else, uh, trying to get more rest, um, doing those things to kind of get yourself back to center. And it's, you know, that mindfulness piece, being aware of your thoughts and your surroundings and just kind of where you're at um, at the time. And once again, those are things that I've, I've learned probably the hard way over the last 15 years uh, through some of those times that were pretty rocky is you just, if you're gonna survive in, in any profession, you need to find ways uh, to deal with those situations. So I think that's really how I have is the, the workout piece, the physical activity is, is a given. And then the rest of it, I just kind of monitor where things are at and I'm conscious of, of the ebb and the flow and then understand like, okay, I need to take a step back and this is what we need to do for a while to kind of get back to where I need to be. That sounds like great, I think, kind of a great recipe for success and something that, um, you know, you're focused on what you have control over, you know what works for you, you know what the research says is good for all of us and um, you have your baseline and then you know how to kind of address unique or uh, you know, more atypical situations when they arise. So I think that sounds like solid <laughs> advice, even for all of us, regardless of our actual role um, to walk away with. 
Just I want to say one other thing, Elizabeth, I think for an administrator in a district administrator type role that can't be lost is as you have opportunities to make hires, um, you need to hire with a purpose. Um, so whatever those like core values or things that you talk about as an organization. So if it's like a student centered mindset, if it's, you know, school improvement PLCs, you know, whatever those things are that are your core values and things that you think are essential for your district to move in a positive direction. When you have those opportunities to make hires, you need to be very intentional once again about that and you need to hire with purpose because that is another thing that I will say has helped our district continue to grow and to improve is I have been fortunate enough to be surrounded by really good people. Um, so I, I feel blessed to have a great administrative team. And then even the people that we work with from the outside, like yourself and Ed, we, I believe, have been fortunate to make wise decisions and have brought in people that understand the work, that are helpful, that are supportive, um, know how to push the right buttons at the right time. So I just want to put that out there into this space as well is that uh, no matter how great you are as a leader, you're not going to do a whole lot alone ever. So you need to make sure that when you have those opportunities to, to get people on your team, uh, you're getting the right people on your team because that's going to be what helps you and helps your district uh, move forward in this uh, great work. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and this idea of if you have that vision, if you have that focus, it makes it so much easier than right to find people that align to that. So if you have that mission and that vision and even your focus area articulated, then gosh, you can check to make sure people are going to be well aligned and value added for that when you do have those opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really helpful. Any other kind of takeaway points, Jordan, that you would think that it's worth calling out? You know, not necessarily. We've we've kind of uh, meandered around the topic of like burnout and retention and, and things like that in education. It's real and we have a problem in terms of retaining our teachers and retaining our administrators. I mean, the statistics are crazy uh, when you look at turnover and how many people get out of this profession within the first five years of getting into it and things like that. Um, so I guess the one thing that I would just throw out there for all of us is like what type of messages are we sending about education as educators? Uh, because I don't know how many times I've had conversations with people and they'd be like, oh my God, I told my kid, you never should be a teacher. That, at least to me, is not a good representation of what we wanna be portraying about our profession and about a profession that's as important as education. It's kind of funny because my oldest daughter uh, who's 10 um, you know, when you have that conversation around the dinner table, you know, uh, being a teacher is certainly still on her short list of things that she's interested in doing. And while I understand, you know, the, the good, the bad, the ugly of that, I am very conscientious to never, ever put out into that space like, oh, I don't think you want to do that because teachers don't make a lot of money or, you know, it's, it's not, it's a pretty tough profession. It's like, no, honey, if that's what you want to do, you go ahead and be a great teacher. So I just, put that out into the space because we have shortfalls in, in just about every area now uh, in education. And I think it's only gonna get worse before it gets better. So we need to kind of look in the mirror and say, what are we doing to, to stimulate the pipeline, uh, not to close the pipeline and, and how we talk about the profession, how we carry ourselves, how we encourage our own children. Um, I think it's a part of that as well. So a shameless plug for 
let's encourage good people to be in education, not discourage. <laughs> I love that. And I also think too, with some of the things that like you focused on putting into place in your district, I would like to think more of your staff than maybe a, a district where there's not intentionality would endorse that, yes, this is a meaningful, productive, collaborative occupation that is making a difference in students' lives, right? Like if, if the things that we've talked about today you know, uh, are being fully felt by your staff, I would like to think that they would be more likely to endorse that, yes, people should go into this profession because it is fulfilling and meaningful. So um, I also wonder about that piece as a district leader, you know, that do we have control over some of those feelings? No, we can't completely prevent all burnout or dissatisfaction, but we set, we have control over some things that input into that. Um, and certainly feeling like you have trust in your district and collaboration that does have an impact on efficacy and, you know, um, quality of, of work life. So my, you know, my question, it would be kind of cool, but my, my guess would be that your staff would more highly endorse, yes, I would encourage my student, my child to go into the profession because I am feeling um, efficacious and satisfied in my occupation, right? Like that would be the hope and 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 what I would hypothesize. Yeah, I sure hope so. I, I do know we have a couple of teachers uh, right now that have children that are pursuing degrees in education. We actually had uh, one of them uh, for sure helped out with our summer school program this year. And I asked our, our principal, Scott Moore, who helped run the program with Andy Pickett, how it was going. And he commented on this, this young you know lady who's in college right now. And he's like, oh my gosh, he's like, she's great. It's like, she's three years into her program. like. We need to get her in a couple of years and it was just cool like yeah that's that's awesome that she's following in her her mom's footsteps and our principal can already see you know the passion the skill that she has um so i certainly hope so i, I would not want to be the opposite where <laughs> my staff members are going home like oh my god this guy's crazy <laughs> you don't want to have this uh so let's hope not yep i think i think the evidence would point to not because what we know increases you know, job satisfaction and resilience, I think are things definitely that you've attempted to embed and be intentional about within your system. Great, well, any other, um, any other things that you think are important for me or others to be aware of or, or reflect on? No, not necessarily. I mean, I guess the last piece, and I mentioned our collaboration with you and Ed, and that just goes back to like, none of us have all the answers, but if you're willing to kind of look around and to try to find the right people, you can find resources to help your district grow in certain areas. And the partnership that we've had with the two of you um, has been crucial uh, to the growth and the continued focus that we have. So just not, uh, not being afraid to uh, think outside the box and, and to tap into other resources, I think is once again, something that, especially if you're getting started in all of this, there's help out there. You just need to know where to find it. And I love the idea, like you just said, tap into those resources because you're focused and you know what you need to work on, which is different than where we started full circle, you know, resisting the urge to pick up the bright shiny objects or the flavor of the day was the terms that you used. Um, so you are seeking out specific resources to help with the area that you have identified as, as wanting to invest your efforts in. So to me, I think, yes, like that, that is the place for those collaborations or those supports. It's not to say, oh, let's just do something different because I just heard about it and it sounds awesome, right? Like you've been very targeted and intentional about picking out what supports your mission, vision, value, and who can be a service in that process. For sure. Good. 
Okay. Well, thank you, Jordan, for your time. Um, I, we really appreciate it. And as always, it was a pleasure chatting with you and learning more about um, the good work that you're doing in your business. Appreciate it. Good to see you as well. One of the conversation pieces I think was an important takeaway was the idea of not chasing the flavor of the day. In other words, don't tell your staff to start working on new ways of doing things when you haven't even finished implementing the previous things. Avoid burnout and don't pile too much on your teachers. I think it's also very important as Dr. Jorgensen brings up towards the end of the podcast is that we need great people as our teachers. We want to encourage the kids today who want to be teachers that they should be teachers. It's a very important selfless job. So we want to make sure that the kids today can see that teachers are taking care of their mental health, taking care of their physical health, and just enjoy coming to work every day. That makes a powerful statement in the minds of children as they decide on their career aspirations. Thanks again for listening to Building Educator Capacity, a podcast by CISA2. We hope to see you next time and make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.